He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, A son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed on the third day be raised. Then he said to them all, If any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Wants to, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and my words of the Son of, of the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Indeed, truly I tell you, there, there are some there's some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. The word of God for the people of God. About two months ago, I had a realization. I was old and fat. <laughs> and it, it wasn't because of a certain birthday. I've already had that certain birthday, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, it was a multitude of things, right? COVID eating. Does anyone can relate to COVID eating. I remember during the height of COVID, my meal plan was McDonald's for breakfast, McDonald's for lunch, with a gummy bears and Diet Pepsi for my afternoon snack. <laughs> so there was that. Uh, I'd also have some back issues and you know, I've been, I've been a regular runner for many years, and then about six months to a year before COVID started, I started having some like serious back issues that really threw me into a really bad state when I, when it flared up. So, you know, I was going to the chiropractor, you know, when they, when COVID first hit, they shut down the chiropractors, it shut down everybody. So I, just, I stopped running because I was like, I don't want to have to be in a, a situation here and not be able to go to the chiropractor when my back flared up. So COVID eating, wasn't running, uh, you know, had had a significant birthday. I don't want to say the actual birthday that it was. No, it was. So, you know, recognizing this, uh, about a year ago, I, I'd gotten back into running a little bit slowly, um, but I still realized I was what I just said. Don't want to say it twice, right? So I realized I could only really change one thing, sort of, right, the fat part. So I knew it was going to require some drastic action. So I started, inter can't say it, intermittent fasting, dropped diet soda, and I'm doing okay so far. I should say, if you're like, if what I say today makes no sense, it's because I've not eaten since six o'clock last night. So, <laughs> this is my first time preaching without having eaten anything in the morning. So I can't eat till noon, technically. So, you're, you know, if what I say, you're just like, that made zero sense, just pass it off as that. 
So, you know, for too long, I'd been trying to have the best of both worlds, you know, to not worry about what I ate, while also not being overweight. And of course, back when I was running 25 or 30 miles a week, it wasn't so much a problem, right? But now that I'm an over-the-hill suburban dad with back issues, the formula did not quite work. Uh, you, can, might, you might say I was trying to have my cake and eat it too, but not, I was literally trying to have my cake, except my cake was gummy bears. <laughs> Bears. Does anyone have like a COVID? What was your COVID like go to? Mine was just a lot of like the, it wasn't technically gummy bears, it was like the um, purple lifesaver gummies. Where just, I could just go through one of those and a diet Pepsi in the afternoon. <laughs> Man, can you tell why I was a little bit more? So hopefully, hopefully, this is where the connectedness part comes in, right? Hopefully I'm not alone in my struggles. We don't need any testimonies this morning. Uh, but hopefully I'm not alone in my struggles. And I think I'm not alone. I think, broadly speaking, we kind of live in a, what I call an all-gain, no-pain society. Now hear that. Not no pain, no gain, but rather all-gain, no pain. At least I think I lived in that kind of world, right? Now, I listen to a lot of sports radio, and it seems like every other commercial on sports radio, besides gambling, is low-T commercials. Now, I don't know if anybody is into low-T or those treatments or whatever. I mean, I'm not a medical doctor, so maybe I have it wrong, but it seems like, uh, it seems like, I don't know, it seems a little bit too good to be true, perhaps. Um, and I sort of wonder that if maybe all this is just ignoring the fact that men just get old and our bodies don't work like they used to? I don't know. Uh, some of you perhaps could speak to that. And, and getting back to those same levels of fitness we enjoyed in our 20s or 30s takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, and a lot of healthy eating. So it seems like we want the pain without, or excuse me, again, I'm saying it backwards. We want the gain without the pain. We want the quick fix. We want the good without putting in the work. The problem is it's not really possible. To really get into great shape or to lose weight or whatever big goal we want to accomplish, it's going to cost us something. Now I think that this all gain, no pain society has really crept its way into American society and even into Christianity in our culture. If we ask the average church tender today what it meant to believe in God, they'd probably say something about, you know, God wants people to be good and nice and fair, that the central goal of life is just to be happy and feel good about oneself, and that God does not need to be particularly involved in our lives unless God is needed. I mean, sure, these are all good and true things. But these are questions that were asked to American teenagers in 2005, and when polled, these were their most common responses. But here's the thing that I, I think about this kind of thinking about God and religion. Is it promotes a kind of belief in a particular kind of God who exists and created our world and defines our general moral order, but not one who is particularly involved in one's affairs, especially affairs that we would not particularly want to have God involved in. If I may summarize, we want a God who doesn't necessarily ask much of us or costs us anything. 
So we, these youth, and I'm saying we because I was sort of young in 2005, not going to give away, well, Sandy darn it, already did uh, my age, but we want, now that we're adults, we tend to want all the gain without the pain. We want God to be around when we need him, but we don't necessarily want God to demand anything of us. We want all the feels without a lot of the effort. But again, just like the problem of physical fitness or losing weight or whatever big goal we have, is life doesn't work that way. Finding true spiritual transformation doesn't come without spiritual commitment and sacrifice. To say it bluntly, we have to die to find new life. Now I know that sounds hard, perhaps even morbid. We have to die? Not only is it harsh and morbid, but it sounds contradictory and illogical. Die to find life? What? I mean, who would even say such a thing? Well, Jesus, right? That's how he read this morning. Speaking to his disciples, Jesus said it quite bluntly. If anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. It's really quite the statement. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, had just confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Anointed One, yet immediately after this, Jesus tells him, hey, let's forget about grand parties and celebrations and glory days. I am about to be killed and crucified and die. And anyone who wants to follow me has to sign up for that very same thing. Kind of harsh. When Christ calls a person, he bids him to come and die. These words written by the German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think, encapsulate it quite well. Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany during the rise of Hitler and Nazism. And when churches and pastors were getting swept up into nationalistic fervor and essentially making Hitler the head of the church in Germany, pastors like Bonhoeffer resisted. He was among about 20% of the Christian church in Germany who refused to follow the way of Hitler. And even though he had actually already emigrated to the States, he returned to Germany to be a part of what was then called the Confessing Church, eventually being imprisoned and executed because of his commitment to the way of Jesus. These words that he said when Christ calls a person, he bids him come and die, comes from his book called True Discipleship. Now here was a man who knew something about the true cost of following the way of Jesus, about how truly following Jesus will cost us something, how to truly find new life, sometimes we have to lose our life. You know, 80 years later, here we are, living in relative peace and prosperity on the other side of the ocean, we might find these words a, a tad alarmist, perhaps a bit foolish even. But like the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. 
to us who are being saved is the power of God. That word foolishness, something is just intriguing to me about that word. In Paul's original language, it means absurd, illogical, paradoxical. And truly, this is what has always fascinated me about the message of the gospel. It's so absurd, it's so illogical, it's so paradoxical that I think it just has to be true. Come and die, Jesus says. Come and find new life. It will cost you everything. But the payoff, the reward is incredible and indescribable. Yet perhaps we hear these words and wonder, what does it mean to truly die? What does it mean to come and die? After all, despite all the rhetoric, I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that our nation is on the verge of fascist overthrow, requiring our soon martyrdom. What I think that is required is something simpler, yet I think infinitely harder. Something I'm not sure I fully grasped until recently. Several weeks back, I was listening to a a podcast on addiction recovery, and the host was speaking about all the ways that addiction had damaged their family. Though now this person had been in sobriety for several years, the damage was still done and not easily undone. As the painful stories were shared, the host had to own up to the fact that again and again, this drinking had caused pain. You know, I find it interesting that just beneath us on our lower level, we host an AA group, sometimes I think concurrently with us gathered here. What do we know about AA? Each and every meeting, participants have to come to the meeting and say, my name is, I'm an alcoholic. It's a simple but powerful statement. See, much of the danger of the disease of addiction, at least as I understand it, is the refusal to name it as such, right? It's, oh, no, I'm not an alcoholic. Uh, You know, I can stop when I want, or on occasion I have too many, or I just don't handle my liquor well. All gain, no pain. AA is about pain. Pain to receive the gain. My name is such and such. I'm an alcoholic. Each and every meeting, the participant has to die. They have to come in and admit that I have lost the battle. They have lost the battle. They are dead. But what struck me as I listened to this podcast, as the host heard painful story after painful story from his family about the pain his drinking had caused, was that he had to keep dying again and again and again. When he admitted strained relationships with his children, a death. When they talked about strained relationships with family, a death. When the conversation came around all the pain it had caused in marriage, a death. 
As I heard these stories recounted by the host, I heard the same thing again and again and again. Death. There could be no more hiding, no more pretending, no more ignoring. If he wanted to find new life, something had to die. The lies had to die. The pretending had to die. They had to die. And now, even on the other side, they still die daily as they face the consequences of their addiction. As Jesus said, if anyone wants to become my follower, let him deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Daily death. Daily death. To be fair, I can't speak for this podcaster or for the AA participant, but from what I've heard and what I've seen, from this death, from this death comes new life and transformation, even what we might say salvation. Jesus bids us to come and die, not because God is an angry, vengeful, or wrathful God. Rather, it's because this is the foolishness, the paradox, the mystery of the gospel made plain in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In dying, we find a new life. And what's even better, I think, is that we don't have to do it alone. AA is a wonderful example of the blessing and benefit of community, of having a group to whom you can lay all things bare, to admit your failures and mistakes, to be loved and supported along the way. I think Reverend Sandy would agree with me on this, that sometimes AA does church better than churches. AA reminds us that new life is possible when we come and die. So I ask you this morning, quite simply, to what do you need to die? To what do you need to stop pretending? To what do you need to finally admit, I've lost the battle? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's pretending you have it all together. Maybe it's just admitting, I need help. I can't do this all alone. I need my church community. The good news is you don't have to do it alone. We as a church are meant to do this together, to support one another, to be linked together, to support one another. The offer Jesus extended his disciples is still offered to us today. Come and die. Lose your life and find new life. This mystery, this paradox, I know it only to be true because I've seen it in the lives of others who have died and come back to life. The alcoholic, the AA member, Jesus the Christ. And when we die, it's not that everything is magically fixed. Our friends in AA could tell us that's not the case. It's a, it's a stranger but truer miracle, if that makes sense. Transformation. A process of finding newness, dying daily, and doing the hard work. Ultimately, the choice is up to us. You can, like I was, stay proverbially old and fat. 
or find newness and transformation through following the way of Jesus. The words of God, people of God. I welcome you.